Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Today, we continue our journey through comic book film. This week brings us to 2000's X-Men, a, a, a rather pivotal one in the history of comic books. I am Colton Robertson, and I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? What up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And we have a very special guest this week from across the pond, Robert Trott. Of Colin Brain versus the MCU. How are you doing? I'm very good. Obviously, it's a bit later in the day where I am. And we've just put my, my three-year-old down for bed for the night. So if at any point we have to pause because my wife's giving me stern looks <laughs> for, <laughs> for getting loud, that's why it's generally what happens on our show as well. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Good, good. That's great. Yeah, no, it's 2 p.m. here for us. It's uh, it's rather middle of the day. So yeah. uh if you if you need us if you need us to pause you just let me know we can make that happen and we're all. If good. I start drooping okay. off, yeah, just sort of make a loud noise at me and perk me up again. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. But uh, I put out an open call a few weeks back for uh, a slate of movies coming up, and you were willing to volunteer for just kind of anything, and I ended up assigning you to X Men. Uh, and I was very happy with that as well. <laughs> uh, good, good. Yeah, you know, I uh, I love this movie. I wanted to get your thoughts first, as as our guest is it's usually the first person to give us our thoughts. So, uh, how, how are you feeling about this movie? I hadn't watched it in a good while, but there was a time when it was all I watched. I think when like, after it came out, this was I was obsessed about it, and it was only watched it again today that I suddenly remembered a lot of the things that used to either make me laugh, or me and my friends used to quote, or because I think it came out when I was probably about like twelve, I think. So the, I was the, the prime age. I'd grown up watching the old cartoons, right, and like right. X Men was my thing as a kid. Like out of all the sort of superhero stuff, X Men and Hulk. I would say I used to watch the old uh, Bill Bixby show oh, when yes. I was a kid. So between yes. those two things, so when I saw this at the cinema with my dad, I was like, instantly seeing seeing Wolverine on screen. I was like, I'm I'm obsessed. This is my ne- my new favorite thing ever. You were taken. Um, you were taken. No, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I am. On the younger side, I was only about six months old when this movie came out. But oh, I feel like yeah. shit now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But here's the thing: when I was uh, when I was growing up, I uh, I had all this backlogged. I had all the opportunity to watch all the superhero movies that came before, and X Men was one that stayed in the rotation for pretty much all my life. I I remember this being a very early one. I grew attached to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine at a very, very young age. I absolutely love that character and that portrayal. Um, and I, I was immediately taken by this movie and this it, reversal for me, this movie led me to the X-Men cartoon. Whereas, uh, yeah. So, so I have a, have a little bit of a backwards experience there, but uh, Joe, how are you feeling about this movie? 
This is kind of the first movie on the list that I am sort of familiar with, you know, like uh, before coming into it. And even before I recent, I recently gave all of the X-Men movies a rewatch a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe it was two years ago now, I think. Um, I gave like all the X-Men movies a rewatch. Um, but even before that, this was a movie that I I watched growing up. But I didn't really rem- – I couldn't have told you all of the, the plot line and details and everything like that just off the top of my head. Um, right. I, I knew kind of the big things that happened, but, like, whenever I watched it again, um, it was really the first time that I, I really sat down and, and watched the movie. Um, so this was kind of like a uh, – like the first rewatch that I really had mm. um, of this movie. I, I don't know, maybe, like, second rewatch, really. Um, I'd say so. I'm I'm still very very fresh on this movie. It's not like it's ingrained in my childhood or anything like that right. necessarily. Um, so so I I don't have um you know a super super deep connection with it. Um, but out of the times I've seen it, um, it's only been getting better and better. It's you know um it, it hasn't gotten worse every time I've watched it. Right. Um, it's, it's gotten you know more enjoyable, and I've you know pick seen things that I didn't pick up the first time and stuff like that. So, um. Overall, yeah, I've, I've actually uh, this one was was really enjoyable, um, and a, a very different, of massive twist on the movies that we've seen so far. Um, yeah, our project. previous so. our previous movies in this project, you know, Blade kind of got us going down mm-hmm. a direction where you start feeling a little bit more the modern take on superhero movies. You know, they just don't make them like they used to with the with the Superman franchise and the batman 89 and the 90s batman movies you just don't get movies like that anymore and it was uh blade that's on the path oh wait go ahead <laughs> blade is wild like oh, i watched it again recently and um, i'm so excited because on, on our show we we've got uh obviously we've got colin who is the mcu complete newbie does un- he, he lived in malaysia for a couple of years working and worked so hard that he missed the fact that the mcu was even created or or anything right. um so our bonus episodes are basically working towards all the sort of non-mcu stuff we've had the raimi spider-man films we've had amazing spider-man one and two but blades on the list and i I'm, i can't wait to show him it because it's yeah. so balls to the wall mad oh I, I love i love colin's takes on that show too man because like because <laughs> most of the people i talk to about these movies are people who are <laughs> more interested in seeing these movies it seems yeah. like i'm surprised he still stuck by it you know yeah um, i was listening to your guys's infinity war episode recently and uh <laughs> you guys were talking about how if if you guys made it here you did good you somehow you somehow <laughs> made it further than you ever thought you could have so i thought that was i thought that was awesome but uh yeah blade is absurd and it but it does give us sort of a path and a formula for what marvel movies have sort of become and I think X-Men even more so has kind of this is the setting in stone of what the modern superhero movie was going to be like. And uh, I I really, really love this movie. And, uh, you know, there might be a bit of nostalgia blind in me there a little bit. Uh, and, you know, it was my first interaction with the X-Men. There are a lot of X-Men fans who their love is based out of the comics who would tell you that this is a rather shit adaptation of the X-Men. And, uh, you know, I've read some X-Men comics and there are some things that are 
some things that are poorly adapted, like Rogue mainly is kind of a big, yeah, big source, big, of, big source of criticism there. And I agree with that one quite a bit. Um, but other than that, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. This one's obviously not a adaptation of any comic storyline. You know, yeah. X2 is kind of based off the God loves man kills sort of, uh, that, that storyline from the eighties. But, uh, this one was a pretty movie original story. And I think it's really interesting to set Magneto on a storyline where he's like, well, shit, if y'all want to <laughs> kill mutants so bad, how about I make you guys mutants? You know, like I think, <laughs> exactly. I think it's big. It's a bold swing. It's a bold swing. It, it takes itself really seriously, which I think is a lot of sort of the older comic book films. You got your Adam West Batman and the Joel Schumacher sort of era of Batman films as well. They were probably like the last big series of superhero films before this, mm-hmm. and they were all very sort of almost ashamed of being a comic book film and sort of lean into that, you know, poking fun at yourself or looking at the camera and being camp. And then this film's got Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen like treating it like an, another night at you know the Globe Theatre doing Shakespeare like bringing it all this gravitas and seriousness and the, I mean from the opening scene you're pretty much they're, they're taking it seriously they're not mucking about no not one bit this is a uh, this is incredibly self-serious and that's one of the things that makes it work you know I think that's yeah. something that uh I think that was a strength of blade also last week in in our movies is that like it was it was absurd but I do think it took itself seriously like it was oh yeah it was being very genuine about what it was putting forth. And uh, this is the first time that I feel like we're dealing with a compelling real world storyline with outlandish, fantastical characters, you know? Uh, I think a, a common oh, thing ahead. that a common thing that always pops up in the movies that we've covered so far is, man, this movie was really, really good, but that third act, it just lost, you know, they just went off the walls with the third act. Um, like previously with Blade, um, whenever the lightning starts coming down and the ritual, you know, begins and it just goes off the wall or you have, um, I don't know, like just Supergirl. Yeah. Just it's, you know, like some, some things just, some movies end very mysteriously. And this one, even though it was over the top, it's still kind of, um, it works. It worked better than the endings before. This was, I feel even though it's still an out there third act, it might be one of the better ones that's been executed so far. Well, I just think at least they knew what they wanted to do and they followed through on it. Like it wasn't like, yeah. Oh, well, that came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They were set. They were setting up all the seeds for something I noticed. I remember it being a longer film as well. It's a, the pace on this thing was incredible. I was quite surprised, like it was as short as it was, because I remembered it being this big long epic when I was a kid. But they they plant all these seeds all all throughout at perfect points that you're like, oh, okay, nothing came like you say, nothing came out of the blue. You have the cerebro uh, cerebro scene, and and um, you know, Jean's like, no, I'm not powerful enough to do that. And, and obviously later on, she has to use it. Everything sort of is neatly set out. The script's really good. And it's written by a solid snake, isn't it? <laughs> Which is no, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's really sound. Like it, it's mm. surprisingly so. You know, like my perception of this movie coming into this project was that it's 
mediocre. I really enjoy it, but it was it's really middle of the road. I come out of this after our previous weeks and go, oh, this is rather on the good side compared to yeah. a lot of uh, compared to a lot of superhero movies. And uh, it's it's got a pretty it's got a pretty solid team around it. I uh, I usually do this at the front of the episode. I keep forgetting, but uh, X Men was released on July fourteenth in the year two thousand. It was uh, written by Tom DeSanto and Brian Singer with a screenplay by David Hayter, with uh, the director being Brian Singer. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it was a uh, it's a uh, like the cast in this movie the cast in this movie is absurd uh yeah it's mad because i think uh mckellen had worked with singer before on is it the apt pupil i think the film's called which i've never seen but he had worked with him previously but in in, in regards to everyone else it's just insane obviously with hugh jackman being the the only unknown at the time i think anna paquin had already won an oscar which was crazy i think she was I think probably like 10 years old, I think she won an Oscar. Yeah, was that for the piano? Yeah, yeah. yeah so she was wow. like an even bigger name than, than Jackman at the time. He was just sort of, I think he just done stage shows and things like that at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what's crazy is now looking back, you know, obviously Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, these are legends, but Hugh Jackman's, yeah. that's one of the biggest actors on the planet. Pretty yeah. much anyone, anyone can tell you who Hugh Jackman is, but alongside them, you got Halle Berry and now James Marsden. I love, I love me some James Marsden. I think he's fantastic. Um, Famke Johnson, Jansen is fucking fantastic. I re- like, I think she catches a bad rep for like the later X-Men movies. I think she's really, really good in this yeah. one specifically. Uh, and I don't think and she's ever, she's ever really the problem. It's more the writing yeah, she's given. Yeah, yeah. No. She's yeah, she I just think did the best with what she had, you know, what she was given. I mean, what I miss with the, uh, you know, I did, I love the comics as well, but I've I've really loved the, you know, the films are what got me more into the comics when I was a kid. And I think what I miss now is sort of having read so many years of the comics is I wish there was more chance for those other actors to shine because it is they really hang the whole plot on Hugh Jackman's shoulders. It is he's out the audience's entry point into the story because he's meeting all these X-Men alongside us. But because of that, you don't really get a chance to see more of sort of Scott Summers other than he's a bit of a sort of uptight dick. And you sort of don't get to meet them all properly as a team, I guess, and sort of delve deeper because the film's not long enough to do it and you're just introducing them. But then they sort of, with the success of Wolverine, with X2, they didn't really... They sort of kept doing that, I think. Oh, and they, they just kind of keep doing it throughout the franchise, too. Yeah. That is, that is one of the bigger gripes I can... Un- like, And that's the thing. Even though I do love Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, they absolutely mm. do center him too much. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he is a great part of the X-Men, and he is a big part of the X-Men. But uh, And I think that centering him for this movie makes sense as an entry oh, yeah, point so- into the franchise. But beyond it, he probably should have taken more of a side side character role a little bit more, uh, especially considering later movies centers Jean Grey so heavily and the way Scott Summers is still a side character, even though he is <laughs> the most important character in Jean Grey's life. Um, yeah, I, Wolverine I has more really... love scenes with her in the second film than her own, her own well, he has more, does. Like the, the end of this movie, whenever she's like, Scott's like, I have the shot. I need to take the shot. And she's like, no, I believe in Logan. He'll pull this off. He can do it. And like, he's like, 
all right, too late. I got to do this shit. I was like, <laughs> this is the first time I've watched this movie because I've had a massive, massive Wolverine bias my entire fucking life. Yeah. Just, I, lo- I love Wolverine. He's my favorite Marvel comic character of all time. Uh, maybe besides Spider-Man. Uh, this was the first time I've watched this movie and gone, okay, yeah. The the Jean Grey Wolverine stuff is a little little heavy handed, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think uh I don't think it would work exactly like that. And uh it, it usually you want it to not. happen, you know? It's just yeah. you want it to happen, you know. And then you take a step back and look at oh, it. And it might be a little weird, but I'm I'm in the same boat as Robert here where the movies led me into the comics. I wasn't a comic fan before I was a movie fan. Yeah. Uh and now that I have gotten acquainted with the characters in the comic books a little bit more, it is, I like Wolverine longing for Gene, but it never seeming like a possibility for Gene. Yeah. Like Gene's like, nah, like, like I like you dog and you're cool and all, but I'm with Scott and that's just it. She, she's a little bit more on the fence in these movies than she should be. I think. Um, Especially for how soon, you know, it's, it's only recently that she's met Logan. Really, it's like, like an animal the... attraction at this point. It's not even. It's yeah. not even like romantic. At, at really, I was quite surprised on this watch through that there was a uh, a real nice Scott Summers scene with uh, when Professor X is you know out for the count, and he's by his his, his bedside. He's, he says like, "You've taught me everything I I know, and I owe so much to you." And like if you know, I'll I'll look after them. Like he's gonna, he basically promises to lead them. Mm-hmm. I was like, that, if if the film sort of gave him more chances to sort of show that he takes on that whole burden of like being the leader and stuff, they could have got some real interesting stuff. But again, this first film, there's not really enough space to do it. It's an introductory film, and I think it it makes sense. I think you, it could could have been too busy had they not have had just Rogue and Wolverine be our sort of entry level characters and sort of introducing everyone no i'm I'm with you for sure because uh you know and like, it, it probably would have been too busy i like that they kind of bring us into the x-men as an established crew with storm gene and yeah. scott kind of being like yep they were the first three students and this is uh this is what we've been on and obviously like with first class and stuff later on this does get retconned <laughs> quite a bit but uh yeah this doesn't like They've never been concerned with continuity in the Foxman films. Like it's just they're they're like, <laughs> well, oh thinking, well, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Nobody will really give a shit. I thought that, but I think he says they're some of my first students. I was like, oh, that's a, a little loophole. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the other ones just gone on holiday. I guess it's like it's somewhat of a continued universe, but they were really, I think, treating them just like comic books written into movies. You know, like mm. they were like. Uh, whatever we want to make it fit the story that we want to write, you know, and and that's the thing is that like the stories weren't necessarily, um, I guess laid out the best. So like even though that they're not, they're just ca- trying to make it like super comic booky and campy, but also somewhat serious at the same time. Um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, if they really would have cared about continuity, like. Mm. Um, if it really would have mattered back then, really, because like they would have had to have so much of a bigger plan and like maybe they fall into the same traps that we're seeing Marvel fall into now where like it just became even more formulaic. Um, at least like we can just have a lot of fun with these movies and like they're called the Fox, you know, like we, we treat them as just separate because of 
the way that they've retconned things. Like, they're seen that way. And I think that's hilarious. It's like, we can just watch these movies and enjoy them for what they are. Mm. And I think that that's, that's the whole point of a movie in the first place. It's not supposed to be like, oh, I love this movie because of how connected it is with 24 other movies. That's why I love this one movie. You know, like, I don't know, that's a little a little ridiculous. Like, it's cool if a movie can do that. But, like, it should if I'm, have to do that. If I'm watching it needs a movie, to stand on its own legs. Yeah, yeah this is an hour and 44 minutes. I am in it for that hour and 44 minutes. And I want to have fun or watch a good movie during that time. I don't want to, you know, if afterwards I can then be like, oh, that is really cool. I see the tie-ins with the greater universe. I'd be like, you know, that's cool. That is a nice cherry on top. But, like, mm. the point of a movie is to entertain you for the time that you're in it and watching it. So, Have um, you guys heard of the Logan theory where – in the James Mangold Logan film, he sort of, Laura's reading all the X-Men comics and he says a lot of, you know, it, it didn't happen like that. A lot of this happened, but not like that. And the theory is that like after X-Men 1 or X-Men 2, they're all just comic books that people have written about the X-Men. So the reason the continuity doesn't make <laughs> sense is you're watching those comic books that she's been reading, and the only ones that really are in continuity are 1, 2, and Logan. I'll take... I, I'm ta- I'm running with that, <laughs> headcanon-wise. That's, uh, that's my new... That's that's my new headcanon, but... Uh, it makes me happy, yeah. Who knows, maybe no, they even, uh, like, with this new Deadpool movie coming out, and Hugh Jackman just being confirmed to be in it, like, maybe they kind of make the decision on how they're going to treat all those movies in the new MCU, like within mm. this movie, because like Deadpool three is a very fourth wall breaky movie already. Um, so like, we know that we're going to get a, just an absolute shit ton of, of X-Men jokes and they're going to make fun of it. I'm assuming. Um, I don't know. Oh, I don't know if they're going to treat it as like, um, as movies in universe, you know, if they're going to treat it as like, Man, whenever you like sign that gig to go play as an actor and play yourself in those movies, that was ridiculous. You, you know, like maybe they treat it as like he literally was an actor in universe as well. I don't know. That doesn't really fit the character of Wolverine. So no, I don't they know if he really does that. But no, they could. Um, that's the thing, though, is that that's that's one thing I like about the upcoming Deadpool movie is that they they do have a lot of freedom there. You know, I think that you know even despite Logan taking place, like. They've they've addressed that head on. Like it's a separate universe. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. This yeah. is just a different Wolverine. It's before all that. Forget about that. Okay. I think they have a lot of freedom. They have a lot of freedom going into that, which I'm very excited about. But yeah, uh, the first the first Deadpool had that bit where he's like uh, Colossus. He's like, I'm taking you to Professor, and he's like, which one? Miles, what was it? Uh, which one? Um, oh God, McAvoy or Stewart? And it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so McAvoy Stewart. They've 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 had their. Uh, the moments of making fun out of how ridiculously doesn't our cable get called Thanos in it because of Josh Brolin as well in the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to see lots of that in, in Deadpool three. Otherwise oh. it won't be Deadpool for me. Oh no. I, I think we're certainly going to see it because if there's anything I know about the MCU, it's that they're going to look for any opportunity they can to fucking trash other superhero franchises because of how <laughs> they've done uh how successful they are i know for sure they're going to bash that shit i i'm (laughs) i'm very excited about it but uh that is one thing that i i think is interesting about specifically like the first few x-men movies is that they find a way to sideline uh patrick stewart's professor x yeah in all three of these first three movies um Mm -hmm. 
they kind of end up doing it in the they kind of end up doing it in the um the sort of prequel trilogy as well like there's i think every one of those films they find a moment where he he is other than first class where he's taken out of out of play because they introduce him as the this is the most powerful guy in in our in our world in our universe he can do anything okay well we kind of need to stop him from just fixing everything yeah right no yeah that's they they do set the tone for that very early on with uh whenever wolverine's like well then gene gene can you do this and he's like oh she's like oh no i'm nowhere <laughs> near professor x's level don't don't even get it twisted and they're like oh shit now we got to figure out a way to make sure professor x can't do whatever the fuck he wants uh, even earlier on in the the senate meeting or whatever that un meeting that gene was at mm. um they uh they someone is uh, i forget what the line exactly is but it's something along the lines of like uh who's gonna who can say that they're gonna walk into the white house like some of them can even control and alter our minds and take away our free will and then the camera just pans over to professor x sitting in his wheelchair (laughs) watching the you know watching them speak like looking awkward and sweated at any moment he could just go in there and be like roll out okay i could actually make them just all agree with gene gray or i'll agree with everything i want them to right now but i won't like that that is why Mm. like um even though he's a little sidelined that's why he's like probably still my favorite character in um the, all the X-Men movies is just the, the concept of him. He is very arrogant and very selfish in, like, his own goals and his own, you know, stuff sometimes. Um, but at least he, um, at least he, like, he's really trying, um, like, his intentions are to try to coexist with humans instead of just all, you know, outright. So you can either all join us or we're going to just take them. Papians. Yeah. So like, uh, <laughs> I, I really, yeah, I really like the, the character of professor X just with just, he has that ability, but he chooses not to, you know, chooses not to. Well, not um, only yeah. in that, uh, in that monologue by Senator Kelly at the beginning when he's like, what's to stop them from going in the white house. It's literally how they open X two yeah. with oh, Nightcrawler I, with the coolest, uh, like actually yeah. one of the coolest fight scenes in, Superhero, who's like, I don't know, that's actually a sick scene. Super fucking cool. Super it's fucking incredible. Cool. Yeah, it, it was a toss up when you said like which one we could. When you said, "Oh, which X Men film do you want to do?" I think you first of all said, "Do you want to do the 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 first three? And I was like, because uh. <laughs> we're gonna have to cover all three of them again." But I was like, "X Two is very very good. X Two is so good. Like yeah. that's." That's definitely the best movie of this trilogy. I have I have no doubts about that. But uh and I that think, like I'll go ahead, go sorry. When you said about Professor X and how well they set him up with that opening scene of saying that, you know, there are people that can do all this and you instantly know that he he's not doing it, so he must be a virtuous kind of hero. And he does all that without really sort of smacking you around the face of it. But they do the same thing with McKellen and opening with that you know, the Auschwitz scene. Without anything else, you understand him as a villain. Like, you might not agree with how he's doing all these things, but at no point do you go, no, I, I don't I don't get why he's doing that or why he feels that way. Because he 100% has every reason to feel that way. And have that, that point of view. million percent. No, like, that's... Yeah. That, Magneto is my favorite comic book villain of all time. I have no doubts mm. about that. And... uh this movie when I was younger is very formative on that 
that choice of mine to make to declare him my favorite because even at a young age you can you can like no matter how old you are you can completely understand exactly why and how he is the way he is Hmm. and like uh like that that part where he tells professor x like oh are you gonna you gonna keep that energy whenever they they burn a number into your forehead and like uh and that and that's how they're doing things like like he's not just saying that you know like he's he's lived that and it's like Mm. that that makes his character so all the more compelling and all the more heartbreaking and tragic and uh that that does lead me to declaring Ian McKellen's Magneto as my favorite performance of the movie. I think Ian McKellen is just fantastic as Magneto. And I think uh, upon revisiting this movie, you know, I know generally who my favorites, like, I know there's a lot of talented people, you know, I know Hugh Jackman's a great actor. I know uh, Patrick Stewart's a great actor. Halle Berry is even a great actress and James Marsden's great. But like, Upon revisiting this first movie, I was like, oh, Ian McKellen steals the show every time he's on screen. He is fantastic. Yeah. I gotta agree. Like, I, I, the scene, like, when I was watching it earlier, when he's chatting with Rogue on the, before doing the plan, and she says, are you gonna kill me? And he just flat out just stares at her, yes. <laughs> just, he doesn't need to raise his voice or to be menacing. He's just got this, so much, um, I think it, it comes from that stage training, like with him and Patrick Stewart, they can just command the scene without really having to say much. Like, he, just, he just plays this resolve so perfectly. Mm. Like he, he, he has something he knows he needs to do. He's going to do it. Yeah. And he's so badass too. Effortlessly oh, too. Like his little Newton's cradle. That doesn't even have strings and he's just doing that. Like floating. There's like five metal balls. He, they're just floating. There's not, no desk. No, I love it. Oh, like that's just, you know, all of his little things that he does that are just sick. And then he's like, I don't know, just his, his general concept of like, well, if you really hate us that much, I'm just going to make all of you like us. You know, like that's, I don't know. That's just hilarious. It's like, it's both, uh, you have Professor X wanting to coexist and just keep it all the same, but be nice to one another. And then mm-hmm. Magneto being like, well, we can coexist, but literally, I will make you the same. Like, I don't know. It's just hilarious. Like, two different sides of the coin. And um, I was having a tough time with that. Like, I was thinking a little bit more critically about that decision. Like, mm-hmm. as an oppressed people, like, oh, well, what can I do to really gotcha these motherfuckers? Like, uh, Oh, well, I'll just make them, I'll make them like me. Um, I also, I'm intrigued by the idea that I don't think Magneto knows that this process will kill them. No, he kind of, he doesn't really believe them when he, when they tell him at the end either. He's just, I think to his mind, Senator Kelly is a mutant if he didn't, you know, right, die yeah, from the fall or whatever. Yes, and that's just it. But yeah, so like I was having a tough time with it, but then I came to the conclusion the people he's doing it to are the politicians. Mm. And what they're going to do is self-preserve. They're not going to be like, oh, well, now we have the weapons to take you down. They're like, oh, shit, now I'm one of you. Now I got to protect myself, you know, like, and that's kind of uh, mm. and that's kind of how they would approach it as politicians. Like, uh, so I think that ends up making a lot of sense. And like the fact that he had the potential to do all of New York 
like if uh, if this just could have kept going i thought that was uh it'd be be quite the uh quite the different universe going forward yeah, x-men is is super interesting uh because like the reason it was even created in the first place was because they didn't want to have to deal with giving uh, a, a hero or a character a super long backstory um for their power set they just wanted to be like yep it's a mutant they have these powers deal with it here we go like it's just a very easy way to have a vast amount of characters and just be able to go with them um and and that i don't know it, it is it is really nice uh to be able to do that because you don't really need like an origin movie um for any of these people really they, they all have the same collective you know, struggle in the movie, um, which is really cool. They, they all have different powers and they're all different, but they all are struggling with the, you know, fitting in and feeling alienated and, and whether their powers are actually a good thing, whether they, you know, they feel like it's more of a curse than a blessing. And some of them are very arrogant in that. And they, they like their powers. They abuse their powers. You know, you have all different types. Um, and that's why, I don't know that, that these movies are, I think the aspect of them that I really like is, um, like just how real their the problems are in the movie. Like, sure, Magneto making other people mutants and people, you know, being able to use powers is out there and it's fantastical, but it's a movie. But like the actual core problems at hand are like kind of real world, just emotional problems, really. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and that's it's, it. uh, oppression and prejudice and you know, all the all those things that have existed in society for way too long. And um I think that's what what made them such a successful group like you say is is when you're reading them and you and you are one of those outsiders it's suddenly like oh okay well i could be a hero as well it sort of it speaks and they're all born out of trauma that's the whole thing with the x gene is it's supposed to be awoken by something horrific or something you know stressful or horrible so you instantly know that each of those characters has gone through something pretty shitty mm, absolutely and uh this like I love the idea of I, I mentioned at the beginning how Rogue's adaptation is far from the strongest. Mm-hmm. Uh but what they managed to do with her in this movie isn't necessarily uh like story wise, I think it works. Uh yeah. I don't think they use Anna Paquin the best they could have. I think that they kind of uh you know, like seventy-five percent of her lines in this movie are are screaming, "No, don't do that! Stop!" You know, some <laughs> shit like that. Uh, and like, she acts her asses, she acts her ass off in those scenes. But like, uh, they just didn't do a lot for her on the writing side. She gets a real chance to shine in that very first one, where she kisses the boy and he starts dying, and she goes yeah. and like cowers in the corner, and she's like, "I don't know, I don't, I didn't do anything, I don't know, I touched him, and it was, <laughs> and like, uh, that." I think uh, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is the way that Wolverine treats Rogue. I love when yeah. Wolverine's fatherly. I've, I've already mentioned multiple times how Wolverine is my favorite character in Marvel. Um, and when this grim, hard bastard just goes full, like, it'll be okay. Come here. Get, let's get let's give these nerds a chance. And, it, and it, what he says on the train, he's like, come on, let's give these nerds a shot. It's like us versus them. Like, we're cooler than them. Yeah. <laughs> They're a bunch yep. of nerds, but they seem nice. It's, it's they need us. Go. You know, like, yeah. we, we really cool. We, we make the group cool. You know, like, I, <laughs> I, I love that shit. That, and that's actually, that's actually my favorite scene in the movie is whenever he is supporting mm. Rogue on the train there. 
um, prior to Magneto uh, ripping it apart. Uh, yeah, that really hit me when he says, um, you know, there are plenty of people out there, but I really think this, you know, this professor really wants to help and, mm-hmm. and wants to, you know, actually cares. Like he, having to admit, because he's been very sort of like, he goes from calling wheels at the beginning to being like, no, I think he's a good guy. I think they're good, good people. Oh, absolutely. And that, that is another thing that I, uh, I, 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 this is a very self-serious movie, but there is also the fact that there are elements of it that are a little ashamed to be a mm. comic book movie. Yeah. You know, like the, what do you, what would what, you want? Yellow spandex? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. Everyone I, knew I, I the yellow do. spandex at that point. And then Spider-Man comes out, like Raimi's Spider-Man comes out, like what, a year or two after? Yeah, it just goes with it, and everyone's like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's what we it's like, what do you want? Yellow spandex? I mean, I did a little bit. The way, uh, the way Wolverine's like making fun of all their names at the beginning, like, "Oh, Cyclops, what's up?" <laughs> yeah. And like that kind of it. They always manage to make those jokes. Like the MCU makes these jokes all mm. the time about like how the things sound dumb, uh, but they always manage to make it happen with a character who it makes sense to say them. Like, yeah. yeah, Wolverine meeting Cyclops would be like, oh, Cyclops, huh? Okay, pussy. <laughs> like, uh, he, he, de- he definitely, he definitely say some shit like that. But, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just want them to roll with it. Like, yeah, it's a comic book movie. Shit sounds a little dumb, but it's, it's yeah. comic book stuff. They, they all give themselves code names because, you know, being a, being real and being a real person as a mutant isn't that fun. So you kind of just go with it. When she says her name's Rogue, you get why, because she's ashamed of being who she no, actually was. But like the the weird thing was that the comics. This is a, a a strange example where after these films, the comics sort of did a run called New X Men, where they all adopted that those costumes basically, like a sort mm-hmm. of variant of the the sort of Fox Universe costumes, and moved away from the fantastical. They were like, we they the the world needs us to be serious right now. They need us to. And it's such an amazing run, especially if you like Magneto. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend that. It's from Grant Morrison. But uh, I remember reading oh, that as a kid. Grant Morrison. Yeah, it's so, so, so good. I really recommend it. But um, it was one of the f- first times I sort of saw the films changing the comics rather than the other way around. Like, mm. I was like, oh, holy shit. Oh, and we're kind of approaching that era where that starts to happen more and more. Uh, mm. Because Blade the reason blades the way he is is because of the 1998 movie he uh he he was he was a vampire hunter but he wasn't uh he wasn't half vampire he was he didn't have any of the abilities of a vampire before that movie and after that that's all blade is blades aesthetic and everything comes from that movie and like uh it's happening more and more with like modern like more modern mcu stuff Coulson, um, phil colson coming into the comics and things like exactly, that as well. exactly yeah he was a movie original character and now he's forming like the hyperion squad or whatever the fuck over, <laughs> in, over in marvel comics like it's a uh, it's it's a lot of like really interesting and fun ideas you know like whereas this movie wasn't influenced by a lot of comics or i mean there's obviously general influences but nothing mm-hmm. directly story-wise the movies start to have the inverse influence. They start, they start affecting the comic books and, uh, you know, some yeah, comics comic- could take what's good and then just, you know, they've got yeah, more, more scope. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, uh, my performance, I couldn't really like Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. They 
do an amazing job in this movie. You know, they're just legendary actors. You know, they, it's the cast is insane. But like I, every time Hugh Jackman is on screen, it's every time I see Hugh Jackman outside, just in real life in things, I think he's Wolverine. Like he <laughs> is Wolverine. You know, like there's no doubts about it. Like he just plays the character so well and and it's like in deadpool 3 um whenever like after logan you know i'm thinking that character is done you know like that's the send-off like it's hugh jackman's done with the character but like seeing that he's i don't know coming back and like it just makes sense because like holy shit how do you replace hugh jackman as wolverine like Hmm. it it, it, like the sideburns you know just like every every, his whole look is just i don't know he just um well i also think he I think he holds the record right now for the most portrayals in separate comic book projects. Like he is, as a he is the, most, yeah, at, at the most frequently recurring character in comic book movies is, is he Hugh Jackman. Every single Wolverine. X-Men movie? All oh, of them except oh. all he's, he's in first class. He makes a little brief cameo where he goes, yeah. fuck off. Um, <laughs> he's not in dark Phoenix. I think that's yeah, the only that's one he's it. not in. Mm. Apocalypse? Yeah, they, they do a weird bit where they go to Alkali Lake and he's in his Weapon X. Right, yeah, okay, yep, yeah. yep, that's true. I completely forgot about that, yeah. then uh, he's, <laughs> in every, he's in every X-Men movie except Dark wow. Phoenix and New Mutants, depending on how you... I've still not you. seen New Mutants. I watched but... it once when it came out and I have not revisited it since. Um, yeah. It's one of my old in the background at some yeah, point. <laughs> we, we will revisit it for this project at some point, but uh, uh, I probably won't revisit it until then. Um, <laughs> A glowing you know, review. <laughs> yeah. I remember not being the biggest fan. Uh, but uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. You can't go wrong there, you know? And uh, I was kind of yeah. reserving that because I, I, I will certainly certainly end up taking him in multiple movies i'm assuming but uh ian mckellen just uh i I love him in this movie what about what about you robert you got a favorite performance was it ian mckellen is that who you uh... yeah i think ian mckellen is my favorite performance for wolf like logan's probably my favorite character same here same here yeah Yeah, but uh... mckellen's just got so much he's just effortlessly cool he does he does a lot of sort of almost scenery chewing slightly camp deliveries and things but it never sort of he treads the line so perfectly mm. that you know just one second he's being sort of you know quite over the top and other times he's just sort of really raining it in and being quite sinister but um, i love being seen on the uh on the train as well with with logan because that's probably at the height of mckellen camp when he's like whoever said i wanted you it's so... oh, i love that shit <laughs> Yeah, so good. He's like bending his claws open and shit. But um, yeah, I think McKellen's performance is the one that sort of really stuck with me more watching it as an adult. I think when I was a kid, I was like, Hugh Jackman all the way. But I think, yeah, McKellen's great. And McKellen's fantastic. Put your hands above your head. And he's like, okay, you ask. And he like (laughs) raises raises the cop cars and like... (laughs) I love that scene so much. That's that's one of the coolest... uh, there's like this uh there's this thing I always try to draw a comparison to in Star Wars where in 1977 the thing that grants this universe legitimacy in Star Wars is Alec Guinness and mm. his explanation of everything that's going on and 
the way that he perceives the force and how he's explaining it to Luke Skywalker. That's Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in this movie. They have like, if we, if you don't have them, there's something about this movie that might go like, okay, this is a little less, uh, this is a little far out there for me, but they, they rein it in and they give it a legitimacy that makes it like, oh yeah, this is going to be fucking good. And that's why it's like Mm. when they open in that Senate hearing and you get the first interaction between Magneto and, uh, and Professor X and he's like, you're in here, aren't you? And he's just like all silhouetted and stuff. Like, oh my goodness! Like immediately, I'm like, oh, I I love this. It's and so it was classy. Such a, yeah. Oh, so so good. And it was visually like one of the better scenes in the movie. I think visually was that very opening one where they uh where they're having that conversation with Magneto all silhouetted out and Professor X over his shoulder and stuff. Like that's a it's a real pretty yeah, pretty good shot. Man, but I, don't uh, know, I was. I was debating. I was going back and forth. The scene is the only one that I'm kind of going back and forth on. Um, my favorite scene of of the movie, and it was either the opening, like having the the Senate and hearing, um, you know, Professor X being there, and then seeing um, Magneto across the way, seeing him walk out, and then him leaving, and you know, going to talk to him. It just set up the movie so well, and I thought, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just just opened it up really well. But it wasn't like I guess it's not really a fun scene you know, to, to choose. Right. Right. Guess, you know. Um, the one I, I don't know. And then, uh, and now I'm jumping all the way to the kind of the end or the end. Um, and it might be their, the chess match they have, um, mm. at the end there. Um, just because like, it's, it's just two legendary actors just sitting across the table, you know, talking to each other and crazy superhero talk about taking over the world shit. But um, also a awesome. real philosophical discussion about oppression and prejudice. Yeah. Like it's like, it was, it was awesome. Um, and even down to the details of the chess match itself, um, cause I'm a huge chess nerd. Um, like the game that they were playing, um, Professor X was very in it for the long game and he sacrificed a lot of his powerful pieces and he only had like a lot of pawns left. Not a lot of powerful pieces in his, like, in his set. And then Magneto, he only had his powerful pieces left. Zero pawns. He only oh, solely focused on his his power set. You know, so it was just it was even just the chess match. You know, was was focused on. You know, whether that was intentional or not. Like I feel like it is uh, because like oh, yeah. literally it, it it was also like a famous game they played that like grand a grandmaster like play, like it was a famous known game that they played. So like I it is very intentional. Um, it's awesome. just really cool, and the the care like them to his care. Yeah, I now that I'm talking through it, it's my favorite scene. Um, I I have to kind of put it, um, because I don't know. I think I I love that, like especially that reason is like they do bring the the legitimacy to the movie. Like the, just being mm. two such good actors in these crazy roles of superheroes, you know, mutants. Um, if it's someone that I don't know, I really I don't think I dive as deep into the character and actually care about them as much. Um, and I don't know, I feel like this chess match is just kind of like a, a good summary of mm. of the movie and, and all the f- philosophical stuff about it and stuff like that. So It really sets up the next film as well. Like Very well. If, if they never got greenlit for another film, you'd be perfect. You'd be fine with that being the last scene. But the fact that, like, they, I think they used that scene in the trailer for X2 of, like, I feel, I'd feel a great swell of pretty, pity for the guy you know, for the people that come to that school looking for trouble and it's like we we see what happens mm. and it, it's it's so good at sort of like making you leave that film going oh i want to see what happens next it's so good right i mean that's a great choice 
No, yeah, that's a great choice. So do we do we all have we all declared a favorite scene? Uh I'm torn. Um they're two very different scenes as well. <laughs> um my, I, I love the opening Magneto's backstory. I think mm-hmm. in terms of just how it's like I said earlier, how it how it sets up uh you know, a villain and its mo and, and its motives from the off. Like you don't need to have him explain anything more than that because you instantly know that he's been through, you know, some of the worst horrors in in real our real history as well. And just instantly, sort of, uh, just the shot of him, you know, pulling those gates apart and is incredible. Really well shot. I think it might have to be Wolverine's introduction though, because it is so fucking cool. Oh. My God, I forgot about that. Him oh, in the, the bar first time just, he pulls out the claws, though, too. And the the fence. Yeah. yeah, he's just leaning against the fence, waiting for someone to come up and challenge him. And the the big macho guy, oh, it's fight also, him! <laughs> just get, runs in there. It's also got one of my favorite lines when he says, um, "What if you do? Don't hit him in the balls." He goes, "You said anything goes. He said anything goes, but it'll take it personal." Yeah, that'll. Yeah. That'll piss him off, you man. Like, that. that shit where he's like, he's got the like claws pointed at the the, the people in yeah. the bar, and he's got, like, he cuts the shotgun in half. I was one like, e- oh. yeah, one either side of that guy's neck, and then the the middle one goes like really close to his Adam's apple. It's like, oh. it, it, it pays. Uh, actually, the the nut shot line comes back whenever Mystique kicks him in the nuts. Whenever it's Wolverine versus Wolverine, oh, yeah. um, she kicks him in the nuts, and then he slices off her claws um <laughs> or her his you know what i mean uh yeah, it's yeah. her skin or her actual body i guess i have a little bit of a problem with mystique being able to emulate other people's powers in this it's not um, yeah. the, the, uh, apparently the explanation is that it's not like the reason she felt pain whenever wolverine sliced um the claws off is because they're not adamantium they're not actually adamantium claws that's just her actual body and she is forming her body to like it's wolverine's actual body too though they're bones covered by adamantium yeah but but like in mystique though it's not actual adamantium because then how would he have sliced through them he couldn't have. Well, can adamantium yeah, actually? The only thing that oh, can cut through adamantium is adamantium. Then how wouldn't have his broken as well? I don't know, man. I don't know. See, that's that's the only thing. That, like what, that's that's yeah. a nitpick. It's a little it's a little itty bitty thing. But like, yeah, I get like, like it when she's the uh, the Statue of Liberty as well. Because I'm like, she she can only change into people, and she's just sort of stood there with the little yellow eyes coming out. <laughs> she's well, like a human like, statue version. The like there's also that part where Wolverine's like she's around and like it's storm approaching from behind yeah. and like he stabs her through the stomach and then her eyes start glowing like storms and then they go to yellow and it's mm. like uh ah that's it, it's just a bunch of interesting choices with how her mutation works um and, and another thing is just that like I I'm so curious as to why they decided to make her the naked blue lady because she it's has 2000. she has costumes in the comics, which is like yeah. it's two thousand. They were like, yeah. let's make this Hollywood. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it is. I think it's more of a sad. It's not any reason to make the story better, you know. No, it's no, not certainly like, not. It wasn't. In, they weren't in the in the you know meeting room around the table, being like, "All right, what can we do for Mystique's character to really 
center it and really do do her justice. Uh, let, let's make her naked the entire time and just paint over her body and make her feel probably uncomfortable during the entire time filming. You know, like I, I don't know. That's that's kind of nuts uh, to to go ahead and do that. But yeah, uh, they don't film it in a way that is sort of um, like. If Michael Bay was making this, it would have been shot a lot differently whenever it was on Mystique, I think. I don't think they film it in a way that is uh, male-gazy and sort of gratuitous in any way. No, they definitely do handle it a lot better than, say, like Joss Whedon does Black Widow. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, or anything like that. You know, there was only one shot where I was like, oh, that might have been... <laughs> That might have been a little male Casey. It's like it's during the yeah. Wolverine and uh, it's during the Wolverine fight where she like falls and it's like it's <laughs> like you got like a back view where it's like her leg lifted, her ass is like most of the screen and like yeah. uh, and that's kind Tell of a liar. Yeah, there's a bit of that fight where he knocks her to the ground and she licks her lips at him despite yeah. not having any blood on her. Like at the very beginning, she like blows a little kiss at him and stuff. Like that's <laughs> it. I love that. Like that was that was awesome. But uh, yeah. there's, there's a part in that fight. Where uh, <laughs> it was like I never I don't think I've ever noticed it, but it made me crack up watching it last night where Wolverine hits her or he's like about to hit her and she she screams like Mystique would. But it's coming out of Hugh Jackman. Yeah, oh, so yeah. funny. It is like, so like, funny. I like when she does a backflip, kicks me in the face, but then sort of climbs up the like a sort of pipe. But backwards it's like she sort of goes through her head sort of i don't know how she does it but it yeah, looks no, really odd on camera yeah, i think they're kind of like really maybe that was part of why they made her naked too it was like so like she seems really just kind of like whoa this is a weird character here so she yeah, kind of otherworldly yeah. Uh, talking to joss whedon though there's a lot of his he, he did a lot of um uncredited script uh work on this as well so you could there's a lot of sort of I would say pretty much all of the jokes feel like Joss Whedon jokes. Oh, like the whole world. There's yeah. one yeah. joke that sums up like the whole kind of feeling for this movie, I feel. And it's one that Joss Whedon did write, and it was for Halle Berry. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was the toad. I think it was like, you know what happens when a toad's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Like, she delivered it very seriously. Yeah. Like, I mean, su- like to the point where, like, she thought that she was like badass for saying it, you know, but like it was supposed to be a very sarcastic delivery. Like it was supposed to be a, do you know what happens to when a toad is struck by lightning? And then she killed, like she actually does, yeah. you know, strike lightning. And then she's like, well, I guess the same thing that happens to everything else. Like that's how it was kind of supposed to be. It's just the communication <laughs> between the guy who wrote the joke and the actress is not that, you know, I that's, think it that's plays a lot better as not a joke. You think like, I, I, I think the know, way I that it plays is actually better. pretty, I think it's pretty okay. satisfying the way it does play it's because cringy though, because like the line doesn't actually land though. It's like, you're waiting for a lot. You know, you're like waiting for, well, what's I don't funny know. is I didn't remember this one and I was watching it with Emily, my girlfriend. And, uh, she goes, you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? And I went like the, the same thing that happens to everything else and then she literally <laughs> says that and i was like oh well fuck me then right i guess that's <laughs> true yeah fair enough um, but oh uh, yeah i think the the other weedany weedany line is the um when he's like how do we know it's you and he's like you're a dick <laughs> and he's like okay, okay. <laughs> okay. fair enough yeah. wow that was that was way too fast to just be okay with that 
like that was one of the only ones where i was like okay that was that was a little funny that was a little funny uh, no but uh, my favorite shot comes from in that scene though i think is whenever he flips off cyclops with his middle claw yeah. and then, because that's actually how mystique sees his claws for the first time and copies him that's whenever she copies him right there if if Wolverine does not, that's the interesting thing is that if she doesn't see Wolverine take out his claws, and then she copies him before he takes out his claws, does she still? Could she still do it? Because she doesn't know that she has him, but does because mm. she doesn't actually get the powers, you know, like straight up. It's just more of like a aesthetic, yeah. you know, sort of like thing. Surface so like, level mimicry, isn't it? If she doesn't yeah. know that Wolverine has claws and she copies him, is that it? You know, like she can't actually claw Yeah, out. I would think so. Because I think that's why they had the middle finger in, is so that because the Statue of Liberty, Mystique, was standing in, or like behind <laughs> Scott, and then she, Wolverine's flipping off Scott, and then like Mystique can just see it, like yeah, she's right. Yeah. right there. So like, I'm wondering if that's I like that was twenty two, like because uh, he had all three out, and then like two <laughs> go down, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so that you're, you're declaring that as your favorite shot, though. I'm I know, glad I, you are because uh, that was it, it was between that and something else for me. Um, mine comes from uh, when after Magneto has tied all of them up with the metal and the, the Statue of Liberty, he just kind of like floats on out of there and there are like fireworks going off behind him and stuff. And like, he like does this little spin thing. And I was like, Oh, like <laughs> I'm like a pure, like if I could see it as a comic book panel sort of vibe, like that one was like, Oh, that would be beautiful on a page. And, uh, <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely loved it. And like, you know, visual effects wise, there are a couple things in this movie that haven't, uh, aged like, fine wine or anything but uh that's uh that scene was one of the better visual effects parts of the movie i thought whenever uh like whenever they show magneto flying they actually do a pretty good job with that and uh yeah yeah i was never i I was never super taken out because of like visual effects or anything like that like uh this i think it's we're getting to the point where that won't really matter anymore we're going to start to see that a lot less and, and really be like, Oh wow. That's just like really bad looking. Um, because like, we're just getting to the point where technology is just getting good enough, you know, to where it's like, it's just getting really, well, we're uh, about I to guess. reach, we're about to reach the golden <laughs> age where everything looks really good. And then we're going to start to see a decline again. Wait, um, till you see his claws in, uh, X-Men origins. Wolverine oh, <laughs> origins. Yeah, that is fair. I uh, that, is like, <laughs> that is the movie I'm like the least excited to get to. Mm. Because on like our show, we, I, I again give us George always says like our host that I give myself too much work to do, and um, I decided that I, I'm going to listen to the audio commentaries of each film that we do, and then pick out the most sort of banal or interesting facts from the whole thing. Which has meant that I've had to buy the Blu-rays of every single Marvel film <laughs> that is oh, in existence, yeah. and I like, having to I having to buy that um, X-Men Origins is uh, <laughs> it was a difficult day. Yeah, you're like pay the money is, for the Blu-ray version of X. Is there Origins. a better way to use this money? <laughs> no, nah, nah, I, I guess I ought to commit. No, I. Uh, no, I. Uh, 
I would love to build a Blu-ray collection. That's a that's one thing I would like to I'd like to get into. Yeah, mine is uh, it's getting pretty hefty now. <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. I had to buy the Fantastic Four films the uh, the other day. If I see them cheap, I'm just like, right, I'll pick them up. Like if right. I see them in like one of our bargain sort of secondhand shops, I'm like, right, a couple of quid, I'll, I'll get that out of the way. That's being done. But I refuse to spend more than a pound on some some of them. To see if like Blu-rays eventually will be like uh, seen as like the collector version of like a comic of the you know like in thirty years a Blu-ray is going to be seen as like an ancient technology like a disc. You know, people are going to be like, yeah. "What the heck is that thing?" Like, and I don't know. I feel like that's going to like I don't know make it, like I don't know. That's a really cool like. Just well, to, I'm hoping like to actually have just be like, like final, them, hopefully. Um, yeah, right. Come back around eventually, but I'm I'm hoping that after all this, like the shit with HBO Max, where they were like, yeah. they're just like erasing shit from their streaming service that doesn't exist in any other format. I'm hoping that people start to realize, oh shit, that's kind of why we, I like. We kind of had it made with DVDs. Yeah, I think my my favorite shot is um, so us talking about the effects. <laughs> um. One of my favorite shots is the if you I suppose if you'd asked twelve year old me when I went to see it at the cinema, it would have been the this kind of looks a bit dated now, when Sabretooth lobs um Logan and he sort of claws round the edge of the <laughs> That was the my other one that I almost went with. I love yeah, that. Yeah, pulls one. his claws out. Um but yeah, now I think just because it makes me laugh every time I see it is when Senator Kelly pushes his face through the through the bars and his eyes go all like <laughs> bulge out like like one of those sort of like jello like stretch armstrong type toys these yeah. eyes are like, <laughs> I mean, no, that's I one of my that. favorite shots because <laughs> it's so bizarre when he, he's looking almost looking down the lens of the camera until his eyes sort of go boss eyed from bulging through i think that's my favorite shot <laughs> i love it i love it no the senator kelly stuff really uh i like the way it kind of affects storm later in the movie mm. like storm has a weird a role in this movie that probably could have been a little bit more substantiated, but the stuff that they did, they did give her was pretty solid. Um, like the, uh, when Wolverine's like, you sure you picked the right side? And she's like, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And like when hmm. Kelly's like, uh, are you like, are you afraid? Like, or like, how do you feel about men or whatever? And yeah. she's like, I'm kind of afraid of them. And he's like, Oh, well, one I think you're about to have one less to be afraid of, and then just implodes. Like I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I thought that was a. It was like yeah. it was an interesting way to handle that scene, and I. Uh, she she does something quite interesting when he holds her hand. She like flinches and like almost as if she's like a bit disgusted by him and a bit like. I guess it'd be like if if a sort of a real life politician suddenly had a real humanizing moment in front of you. There'd be a moment that you'd be like. If it's a politician you didn't agree with, you'd be like, oh, you, mean, don't, don't. "You mean that? You mean that?" I think, yeah, like... <laughs> I think you'd have a moment of being like, "Oh, I don't quite know if I really do want to be be human, you know, have this nice human connection moment with you, even though you're." Yeah, yeah does he deserve weird. it? Yeah, does he deserve it? Yeah, like it, it, it might be better for her to be like, "No, you can just shut up and die," you know. Like, yeah, whenever she's like, whenever, whenever he's like, "Don't go," I don't want to be alone. Like I think it, I I think that's one thing this movie does really well is handling like the way that mutants in general if they're being uh brought up with like Charles Xavier or like I have zero beef with you 
all mm. like all you guys are just pressed at us for being the way we are. And like they yeah. uh, like they, they act on that a lot throughout this movie. And I, I really appreciate the way Storm is like that's one of the like nice moments for me for Storm's character is yeah. her being like, you know what, yeah, like I will I will give you comfort in what seemed to be your final moments. Like I think that's a I think it's a real humanizing moment for both of them. You know, it's a and I don't like Senator Kelly by any fucking means because mm. it did seem like he was like, I'd rather be dead than what I am right now. Because like, he doesn't even go like, I finally see like, yeah. Oh no, I was wrong. Like, he's like, you're going to have one less person to be afraid of. Yeah. It melts. <laughs> like that's grim as well. That death, the the sound design on that death is uh, the body worse. horror stuff with it, Kelly is like, yeah. they were going to show all of his intestines in his body first and bones and then like his skin would turn to the that first and then oh. his intestines and then bones would afterwards so it was going to be even worse um they <laughs> toned it down even so like yeah it was still rough yeah uh, what a way for a person to go though that was like yeah that was it's man. the awkward look she gives when she's she's holding his hand she's looking sort of down by his neck and it's just like the water's already leaking she's like, oh this is, <laughs> this oh, is gonna God. be messy that isn't it <laughs> Someone get a bucket. (laughs) (laughs) When he starts leaking, just starts trickling out. It's like, oh no, what is that? Pretty bad. I assume it's water, but (laughs) yeah, right. I don't want to know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's also a really creepy moment when he comes out the sea and he's his face doesn't. It looks like a weird mannequin, doesn't it? When he first comes out the water, and then it's a weird effect of like gills and. His body sort of reforming as he's walking along the, and that scene actually gives us our first uh, our first Stan Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, he's a a hot dog vendor on the beach. (laughs) He actually did film a cameo for Blade. It got cut from the movie. I'd love to know what that was. You know, know. what? Why? He just he didn't have anything to do with the creation of Blade. He was just. He was I'd a quite like big it. Marvel guy, you know. Um, he was at the Blood Rave. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that'd be fucking hilarious. He's the DJ hilarious. at the Blood Rave. He's the actual <laughs> yeah. DJ just up there just going ham. Uh, Who yeah, wants some blood? Awesome. <laughs> no, but uh, he, it was not his first cameo, technically. It was his first theatrical cameo. Mm. He was in a TV movie for uh, Lou Ferrigno's Hulk. Uh, oh, yeah, he was. The, the trial of the Incredible Hulk. He was a juror in that so uh it was not his first cameo but his first theatrical release cameo so uh, first of many you know he was in more rats as himself wasn't he which is technically now part of mcu canon because he's he's going to the audition for it in the movie uh, captain marvel right is is that technically his first mcu (laughs) cameo it's it's his first mcu cameo in the mcu yeah strange so, think about, yeah, think about that one for a couple of right yeah. <laughs> What do you think no. of that? No, I, uh, not all even in all, I really, oh, go ahead. I was not, well, like, I wasn't even clear, not even his first appearance in the MCU, but I meant by, like, in the MCU, yeah, in their reality, not just in our yeah. reality. Yeah, it, it's even more fuckery. Well, is he in the first movie. Avenger? Does he have a cameo in the first Avenger? Mm-hmm. Then I think yeah. that would be it. That would be it chronologically, right? Because he's supposed to be ah. getting a uh, um, 
Steve's supposed to be getting a medal and he doesn't turn up and someone this little guy comes out to say that he's not got it yeah. and he's like I thought he'd be taller <laughs> yeah right so is his first cameo chronologically when he comes up in the MCU's reality you know in the first Avenger or would it yeah. be in our reality <laughs> he showed up here I don't know Oh yeah, it's uh that's funny. That's funny. But a legend but, uh, nonetheless. A legend. Yes, a legend. If if he was still with us, I can imagine chronologically it would have been Eternals, bless him. But uh Oh right. Yeah, oh no true. Kidding. There you no go. Kidding. But uh, sadly. Uh he's getting to the point now because we every episode we do we we, we talk about the Stan cameo. Mm. And it's sort of like Colin doesn't know when he passed away at what film it's the last one and it's sort of getting sadder and sadder knowing that it's coming up. Yeah, you're getting closer, just, huh? Yeah. It was uh, it was Captain Marvel, wasn't it? It was um, Endgame was the last one. Ah, yeah, because Spider Man, he didn't the or was that? He wasn't in. Well, yeah, I think the last one is is Endgame. Black That's Leo. right. Captain was Marvel was the Leo? first movie to come out after he passed away, so they kind of reshot the way mm-hmm. Captain Marvel like looks at him on the train. Remember, like she passes yeah. him, yeah. And, like gives pulls down the nod. paper, and she like gives him a little smile and, and stuff. They and opened with walking. the. I think the the Marvel logo is all stands, but I think they'd already filmed like loads of the gotcha. cameos in a row. The last gotcha. one that was actually released was Endgame, I think. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, this is the first one. The first theatrical one here was uh, Hot Dog Vendor Stan Lee <laughs> here on the beach. But uh, is, do we have any favorites remaining according to the spreadsheet there, Joe? Lines, if we haven't... Um, None of us have lines, okay. Unless we haven't explicitly stated it. Um, I don't think... Yeah, I've, I feel like I've mentioned both yeah. of my ones already, but I, I will say that it was the the last line from Patrick Stewart of, you know, I feel a great swell of pretty pity for the, uh, the person that comes to the school looking for trouble. I think that's one of my favorites. Mm. Because of how apt it made me as a kid going, oh, uh, what are we going to see? I can't wait. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and, no, yeah, and, I love it. I don't know, the younger um, versions of the characters say this exact, um, the exact line later on. Um, like, word for word. I watched, like, a little Easter egg video before this. Oh, really? it, it is, like, the same exact. He, they use, like, word for word this exact thing. <laughs> um, so it is It is really cool that, uh, that, like, this is a conversation they've had before. Um, <laughs> and that it was a callback. Like, in this movie, it's a callback to a future Fuck. To it's all God dang it, man. There's yeah. too much time stuff going on. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's a good line. I, I don't know, I just um I was really obsessed with Wolverine this movie, so I have a lot of Wolverine stuff just because he's really badass. Mm-hmm. Um But I, I really just like him and Rogue. Um and I wanted to give something, you know, a nod to that, you know, direct direction in that side of the movie. Um and it's just whenever she asks him, like, does it does it hurt whenever they come out? And he just, you know, says every time. Uh, just like, yeah. uh, I, you know, it's not the line itself, I guess, like, that that's by itself that is um, that I want to focus on. Just more of, like, the, the connection between uh, Wolverine and, and Rogue throughout the movie. And, you know, it is it is a cool insight to to Wolverine, though. Like, it is actually hurting him, but he just heals and it's okay. You know, it's like... Well, that's one of my... But like I fucking love Wolverine stories that dive into his like uh his semi immortality, like the way that mm. he can live for an extremely long period of time, suffer insane amounts of pain, but he'll heal and get better from it. 
doesn't mean that he's not feeling the pain that happened in those moments. Like that's like whenever they play with those ideas, it gets really, really compelling. And I think the place you get it the most is Logan, which is why that movie's just. Oh yeah. When he's having to pull, push the claw back in. Cause it's not fully. Ooh. God yeah, damn. It's just like in agony the whole time. Yeah. yeah. That shit, that shit hurts. Whenever That's he... a great line. I think like the, the, like you say, the delivery of it, he could have easily have played it. Like he was trying to be a tough badass and be like, yeah, every time. But, the fact that he just says it so coldly and it's sort of, it's it, and then every sad. time his claws come out for the rest of it, you're like, well, you, there's a reason why he screams like a, like a nutcase every time he, <laughs> yeah, right. every time he brings his claws out. Cause it is genuinely, you know, but it doesn't pain. look, it doesn't look like it feels good either. Like whenever he puts the claw up to the dude's throat and like you oh. watch the middle one just slowly come out like that like doesn't paper look... cut. it's like a paper cut but way harder every time like yeah, that's, yeah. oh that's gotta suck uh, i guess yeah, it heals no. right away you know after he, he puts him away and all but like man doesn't man. change the fact that it hurts like a motherfucker no like uh but my my favorite line is magneto addressing senator kelly uh whenever he goes are you a god-fearing man senator that is such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really fear is me. And I was like, <laughs> I was oh. watching it last night, like, oh, man, Ian McKellen is fucking fantastic. Like, yes. it's so good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just, it is just effortless. I don't know. He is just that, he's that cool. And I he's like they, an old yeah. dude is the thing. That's the crazy thing is he's just – you look at him on the street, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's one badass dude. You know, like I don't know, just mm. looking at him. But, man, I don't know. You, you hear his backstory. You hear him – hear some of his line delivery. I don't know. He's – he does the fact that – yeah, the most badass action scene for me in the in the whole film is, is two older guys, one sat in a car part – quite a way away from the actual scene of the fight and another one stood on some steps and they don't do anything other than just sit or stand still but it's just the way they perform it is so incredible and it so makes you think you know they think outside the box when he's stopping that bullet from going in the guy's head and, he, <laughs> and he's just like charles is like trying to walk away with rogue he's putting the hand around his neck and Man. Like it's so amazing. Not a single punch is actually thrown between those two characters, but they're just trying to outsmart each other. With and I powers. love the way when Sabretooth like grabs his throat and Toad starts talking to him. Yeah. Magneto looks around. He goes, "All right, Charles, you want to yeah. come out and talk to me for real? Because I know they're not doing this right now." You know, like uh, yeah. I, I love that. It was so good. And like I just love the way that they have an obvious history that we eventually get to see, hmm. but that they've they are clearly long time associates of some sort not not yeah. friends not enemies but frenemies of sorts um they say with cerebro don't they he's like well how does you know how does he know how to block from it and he's like because he helped me build it like mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he built it with me and you're like oh shit he must have been involved in the mansion and all this other stuff before he went in a different direction like it, God, it's I really great get the first class that movie's so fucking good it's good yeah uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that concludes the favorites, if I'm not mistaken. I just didn't quite catch your. I know you were in between two scenes. I just didn't know which one you you went with for sure. I didn't want to get it wrong. I put it in the Excel sheet. 
but I guess I don't. I think it was either the opening or I forgot which other scene you were um, debating on. Um, in in between, to me, or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I, I I just forgot which which scene you were going back and forth. I just didn't know which one you actually. Uh, oh, I ended up landing on. Um. Yeah, I would say the opening. I think the opening is what does the, it for me. The Senate and, or was it? No, or, or, oh, the, it was the Wolverine. The, the, the was it the? Oh no, I landed on the bar scene with Wolverine, didn't I? But I was torn between that and the Auschwitz. That's uh, right. Yeah. Scene. Oh yeah, it was Wolverine and. Oh, okay, that's true. That's what you were in between. So, yeah, I like I like them both for very different reasons. The Wolverine scene is just effortlessly cool, introducing the character. Mm. Like you, you, it's all build up. Um, and and again, the Auschwitz scene is just so heartbreaking and amazing at setting up a villain. Like the the MCU has a problem with villains, I feel, and the ones that work are the ones that you really un- actually understand. So like Killmonger mm. or Namor or or you know those or Thanos even, yeah. they're the ones that you really sort of get behind because you can understand where they're coming from. And that scene does that for Magneto within the. It's not even that long a scene. It's sort of like a couple of minutes. But yeah, you it's, instantly... a quick, it's a quick five minutes, I think, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's... And then he's off to see Kevin Bacon in first class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah. I, think, I think those two. But I would lean more towards Logan because it's less upsetting. <laughs> yeah, right. You get a little bit more fun out of that yeah. one than you do, than you do just the, the pain. That no is... one's punching the air at the Auschwitz scene. Yeah. No, no, not by any means. Uh, but with that, I think we might be able to go ahead and rate this movie. Are we? Uh, are we ready for that section of the pod? I think it's that time. Yeah. Yep. All righty, sounds good. So the way we usually do this is we allow our guests to cultivate a rating alongside mine and Joe's, uh, because we've we've grown quite uh, quite used to each other's view of things. We tend to be of one mind on a lot of things. So it's a, it's nice and agreeable. Most of the time uh, we've had a couple guests so far where they've, they've, they've thrown out a rating and I've been like, Oh, I'm nowhere near that, but uh, <laughs> I'll let, I'll let you do your thing. Uh, so uh, we do, we do four separate ratings and uh, we do enjoyment genre adaptation and critical rating. And we take the average of those ratings and it becomes our overall rating for the movie. It is very mathematical, but uh, Joe over here is a very mathematical mind. So it's uh, I'll leave the maths to Joe then. <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at maths. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not either. But uh, I, 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 we've we've managed this uh, we've managed this rating system, and it works <laughs> it works rather well. So I'm uh, I'm very satisfied with it. Uh, as far as enjoyment is concerned, Robert, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how well is this tickling the funny bone for you? I gave it a seven. Seven. All right. All right. Yeah, because I feel there's there's parts that they improve upon with uh, X2, but there, I was actually quite surprised that there was a lot more that I remembered enjoying this time around watching it. I was like, oh, actually, I remembered it being sort of a lot less good than you know X2, but um, no, there's definitely a lot there. So that it's definitely seven. I would say is is where where I'm hitting. I like it. I like it. I'm actually a little bit north of that. I think um, I might I'm a little. There. I'm a little higher up on it than than a seven. Not by not by a ton, mm-hmm. by any means. Uh, but uh, whenever we do look at our rating system and some of the other 
the other scores we've given other movies, I got to say, I like it more than a few of those. And some of them they're at, they're at uh, about a seven and uh, I'm, I'm leaning closer to an eight. I don't know if I'm quite there. I might split the difference and go like seven, five, seven, seven, five. But uh, Joe, how are you feeling about the movie? I think because last week uh, we gave Blade a seven five for enjoyment, and I think um, I I think I enjoy this movie more than than Blade overall, not by a whole lot at all. It, you know, it, it so the the floor of the rating would be seven five. Um, well, and I'm an easy I'm an easy get in this category. I enjoy a lot of stuff. You got to be a really bad movie one, for me to be yeah. like, oh, I did not like that. Um, I'm I'm British. I'm naturally pessimistic. So these may <laughs> these may all be lower than you guys. No, yeah, no. Like that's that's uh, what's funny is so far every guest we've had come on has been higher than we are, and it sounds like so far you'll be you'll be lower than we are. Yeah, um, we're bored and miserable over here. So <laughs> maybe a slight, slight bit lower. Now I think I might, given that Blade we gave a seven five, I might be at an even eight after hearing that. I I think I'm around there too because that's that's where Batman Returns is. And I think honestly, like I could see me going to either of these movies just just as much. Um, yeah, no. it's, it's around the same, around the same. Um, so yeah, I think either like seven, seven, five, or eight is where I was. Um, I'm so with I, you. No, yeah, like I was, I was watching this movie last night, and it just reminded me how much I love the X Men. The X Men are like far and away the titles I've read the most of in comic books. And like upon revisiting this movie, I'm like, oh no, I'm about to go on another, about to go on another <laughs> X Men kick and comics as far as what I'm reading. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think I'm good with an eight there. Uh, I can dig. That's that's good. Then uh, genre wise, will be our next section. And this one, they're all superhero movies, so we kind of try and break it into a little bit more of a sub subcategory sort of thing. Uh, I don't know how much more you can build upon this besides action adventure feels like this is a pretty straightforward action adventure movie um, yeah i i don't know it's a strange one for me because i think it depends what you're after in a superhero film i would say there's been so much more superhero films that are so many more that are sort of unashamedly superhero whereas like you say this sort of does play it very serious and very straight where there could have been a very different alternate universe X-Men film in which it was really colourful and really sort of fun. I suppose a bit more like first class. So I don't know. Um, I don't want to say I'm doing seven again, but I feel like it might be another seven. No, and again, I'm not far off from you there if you if you do go with the seven. In fact, I think uh, I don't know how much on that one, I don't know how much higher I could go with it. I think... Uh, I think I would end up landing around there um, at about a seven, given I'm looking looking back. And as far as the action is concerned of it all, it's a solid action movie. But we've seen a lot of stuff with some even more epic action. Um, like even even Blade, I'd argue, had better action this, than this movie. That was kind of all that movie was, though. Mm. It was dedicated to the to the action of it all. Um and maybe I could bump it up a little bit, maybe take it to a seven five. But uh, Joe, Joe, again, how you feeling? Definitely, yeah. It's not on the same level as Blade. Blade knew what it was and honed into it. And man, it like that is you're diving deep into the genre when you go watch Blade. So I think like 
this is still superhero-y and, and serious and all of that. Um, but I, I can't put it on the same level as Blade, but not, I'm either at like, I think it's a seven or seven five is where I'm at in all between right. that range. You know what? Let's give it a little bit then. You know, let's, let's be kind. I like, I like this movie. <laughs> yeah. I think seven five. I, I'm more on the higher end than the lower end. All right, cool. Then I'm, um, I'm cool with that as well. Uh, how comfortable are you given an adaptation rating here, Robert? I, uh, I feel pretty comfortable. Um, I went via, I took it as my, uh, you touched it earlier as well, the adaptation of the characters themselves. Cause obviously the story was, uh, you know, wasn't really based on anything from the comics. And I do feel like they work for this film, the characters, but in terms of how they were adapted from, the comic books, there's a lot of characters that don't sort of ring quite the same way, like Rogue. Even Storm, I'd say, she's, you know, she's royalty in her, in the comics, and she didn't really have that kind of air of being from a different world as the other, the other characters or a different sort of cultural background. Apart from Halle Berry's sort of weird accent that she dropped <laughs> every now and then. She tries. And, and yeah. like, they drop it from here on in. They never, oh, yeah. they never have her go for that type of accent again. I felt the same about um, Wanda Maximoff until they, you know, brought it back in for story reasons in Wonder Vision. I was like, oh, holy shit! They made that work when she oh, when she uses it. It, it works. Yeah. Um, so I gave it a six because I think largely it gets it gets the characters right for yeah. this for this this film, but not, you know. Yeah, you're if you're right going truly money. for the comics. You're right on the money for me there. I uh I think the the detriment that a few characters face throughout this movie is enough to drop it pretty substantially. But for the most part they do they do they're on the better side than they are on the worse side. You know, I think it's, it's uh not middle they're... of the road. You can't no. like it's it's mm. not a five and you can't really just be like it's completely average. They did a little bit better than you know, they I think they the justice this... they do Magneto alone is enough to propel. Yeah. Like uh they 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 kill they kill the Magneto character. Professor X even this is the most I think this is the most likable Professor X is and he's kind of uh he's almost a non-factor in this movie. Yeah. Um and Logan of course. Logan of course. Yes, they uh, they, they do <laughs> a really really good job with him. Um and again, like I like what they did with Jean Grey and Cyclops, but again, they're not very relevant in in the actual story of this movie. The things they do with them are solid, but and you know, I think they did a good job with like the beginning of Jean Grey's story arc, like where she is honing in her powers a little bit. She's learning to cultivate them, and she's mm. she's getting she's getting better at it. Scott being willing to take up the mantle if things go south for Professor X, like yeah, that's all that's all really good and well. So I, I think I'm right about there with you too. Uh, at about a six, it's just the way they do Rogue, Rogue and Storm. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little rough. It's a little on the rough side. Even Mystique, I'd say, it's nothing like she is. That well, there's like, yeah, the comics. He's very different, but they got they got some elements, and they do sort of lean into that a bit more in the other films. But in this first one, at least, she is very much sort of like a very one dimensional. Really. Yeah, yeah and, uh, uh, they they gave. Toad, cirrhosis of the liver. It looks like Man, <laughs> man's got jaundice. That yellow ass skin, and he got rocking. to do his Darth Maul tricks, did he? At one point, and yeah, <laughs> he p- picks up that pole. Just yeah, I could dual wield a wield a 
anything. Give me anything. I'll dual wield it. <laughs> yep. When he knocks the fucking visor off of Cyclops and yeah. he <laughs> like bursts a hole in the ceiling. I was like, oh shit. Close yeah, your Logan's eyes. Like, uh, I wasn't the one giving the, uh, the station a sunroof. Yeah. <laughs> it's another good line. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a, but yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, adaptation wise it, it it had it had good elements certainly had room to grow um but all in all it was a it was it was above average it was better it was better than it could have been i think uh, but that brings us to the critical rating of the movie as as a film the filmmaking acting direction and mm. writing all things all things that go into making a movie what it is how are we feeling about that on a scale of one to ten I've gone with eight. Eight? Okay. Yeah, okay. I went higher because I think it is generally a very well-crafted film. It looks gorgeous. Um, some elements more than others, but I think that comes down to just the visual effects you know, being slightly dated. But in terms of how, like you, uh, you said, Joe, about the first time we see Charles and Eric talking to each other, it had no need to be as stylish as that, that scene looked. Yeah, that could easily have just been shot really flat and bland, but it was so like slick and classy, and I just yeah, I, I, I like a lot of how this film looks. I just mm. think it it's got its own style. There's there's a few like I say a few bits that look a bit ropey now, but even like sound design, everything like we talk about, uh, you know, Senator Kelly and his death scene. You can tell like you say what you will about uh, Brian Singer. And I'll, I try to say as little as possible these days, but um, he, um, he, yeah, he knows how to put together a classy film in terms of. Before this, he'd done Usual Suspects and Act People, and maybe I can't think what else he had done, but that comes through here. Like you can tell, he was leaning away from the comic bookiness of it and wanted it to be, you know, sleek and futuristic, and even the production design, like the mansion and Cerebro and. Ooh. All of it is so well done, and Magneto's lair, unit at the end, and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, all really, really well put together. Um, so yeah, I've, I've given it an eight. You're kind of talking me up here because here's the thing: is that eight would make it tied for like our second best movie so far with Superman seventy eight. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, story wise, this is one of our strongest movies yet. I think I think it's really tightly written. I think they did a really good job with it. Uh, they didn't go for too much. They didn't bite off more than they could chew. Where I think Blade did exactly that. They were like they were trying to explain massive lore with like the, yeah. the history of vampires and stuff. And it's like, all right, well, we don't need all that. You can just go ahead and tell us the story that we've got in front of us. And I think that this did a really good job at that. I was not keying in on how good looking of a movie it was though. And you know, the more, the more we talked about it, the more, the more I'm kind of convincing myself it is a really, really good looking movie. You know, I, uh, it didn't stand out to me so much last night when watching it, but looking back on it and thinking about some of the moments that do stand out, it is, it is a, it's a sleek looking movie. It's good looking. How are you, how are you feeling over there, Joe? Kind of now that I'm thinking about it, this is like the first movie on this list that was treated very seriously like a lot of money a lot of money and like they actually like with blade it was treated seriously but still just very campy and like 
no way did they think that the average person was going to like love vampire hunting. You know, like that, that's that's something that they knew was kind of out there already. Mm. This is like they knew it was like a real story. They're like, you know what? Let's let's take these weird superheroes and make a real real story that just could be in in an average movie non-superheroes you know like i I don't know how you necessarily um well i guess i don't know like it could just be the the oppression of any group it doesn't have to be superheroes or anything like that it's just kind of the oppression and alienation of any group and that that's a very universal thing um i think you know that that their intentions were really good whether they executed on it you know how they wanted to i don't know but i coming into it before the movie i would think it's like on the same level as like like a little above middle of the road like whenever i came into it i'd be like yeah that's x-men it's the first one it was good but like maybe a little above middle of the road but now i'm i don't know i think i'm like <laughs> seven five like uh i was lean, seven, i was leaning seven, eight five. even because you know i was talking about uh how eight would tie it with superman 78 and when i look at superman 78 that is a pioneering movie for the superhero genre you know like that's a it's a brilliant story. It's a great introduction to the character of Superman as it stands. Um, I genuinely think this is a better looking movie. I think the story is on par, maybe, maybe not quite as good, but I think like the, if we're talking like the third act of a superhero movie going off the rails, you know, I think, uh, I think Superman does fall victim to it a little bit. Uh, not, not quite to the extent that a lot of movies do, uh, Otherwise, like with Supergirl and with Blade and, and with those movies, but uh, Batman and Robin, that movie was falling off the rails the whole time. And then the third act just really, really <laughs> took it there. Um, I, I, I think I think I'm sitting right about even with it at about an eight. If you I mean if you ask me that same question about Superman um, seventy eight, that would be like a nine or ten for me. It's like my favorite That's film true. of all time. I think that. The- <laughs> I think we were harsh on the it. rating on <laughs> this. It's the rating on Superman that might be a little low. I think well, so. I don't know. Eight is hot. That that's that's a good score. That's. I good. mean, I don't want to ruin all your guys' ratings. No, <laughs> no. no we came in. We came Talk into this up. project wanting to be really critical, mm. and then we, as the further we've gotten into it, we've kind of fallen back into being like, "Oh, well, we love fucking everything." So, like, uh, <laughs> so we've kind of fallen into the same thing where. You know, if we were to rate Superman now, it probably would be a little bit higher than an eight. But uh, I'm willing to. Uh, that's the thing, though. In every other category, I'm pretty sure that movie's a ten. Hmm. Like enjoyment, uh, genre, adaptation. I think we gave the, all three of those ten out of tens. Um, so it's like it, it was very, very <laughs> well faring over that's there. True. Um, I think okay, the eight is the highest I could go. I if, you, could, if you're I can, if you're cannot... struggling there. No, I'll go like seven seven five. It's either eight or seven seven five. But okay, if it is eight, and I know this is a little, you know, I'm not supposed to do this and looking <laughs> forward and seeing what it averages out to and stuff like that, you know. But like, if we do give it an eight, the overall is a seven point three eight, which ties it exactly with Batman Returns overall, which I think is interesting um, because. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of the like the D the DC side of a hero that they're taking a little more seriously, whether the movie was 
totally serious in you know scope itself is is I don't know it's kind of like sort of the same thing um and I I do feel like I don't want to choose eight because it lines up I'm choosing eight because I think it makes sense actually hey man I was only saying seven seven five in case you were if you were lower than that I'm at an <laughs> no. eight that is where I'm at I think it actually makes sense because the story itself which is what we hold the most important part of the critical rating is the story and like the actual physical like the the creation of the the movie itself uh they did a fantastic job um it was just sort of the the retconning of of certain things um and just some little decisions or not i don't know uh just some decisions that they i guess could have gone about a little bit better but yeah i mean as a superhero movie goes it's pretty even, damn good as a Pretty regular good. Yeah, movie goes, this is, yeah. Um, the only thing that is, like, was stopping me at first is, like, whenever we think of an eight critically, um, like, just think of a movie that's non-superhero. Um, that would be, like, a four. The Terminator and Ace Ventura would be about... <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> so, um, for, for reference, um, if if... If that interests you. So I guess, yeah, I think, I think it actually makes sense. Um, no, nah, yeah. And see what th- these are kind of the, the intricacies that you fall into once you have it. such a mathematical rating system. We've uh, got it with, you... um, with our show is that we all have sort of different outlooks of what we do it in like five stars. Um, mm-hmm. and we all have a different sort of outlook of what a five star film is. For me, a five star film isn't perfect necessarily. It just has to have nothing that I dislike. Whereas Colin is like, it needs to be like Godfather levels of mm. standard has to tie all these different rules. Um, but then I sort of set my baseline as the first Iron Man film is three stars for me. It's like perfectly enjoyable. But I have to now, any film I see afterwards, I go, is it better than Iron Man? If so, it's got to be more than three stars. That's how I, I base my rating system on, but we're all so different that we argue over it so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you guys do as well. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we definitely, uh, well, this, this was funny. This one's, uh, you know, like you, you talked me up, like from, like when you said, when you said eight and you made all the points you did, I was like, you know what? You're, you're onto something here, Robert. I don't think I can, uh, I don't think I can go much lower than that. Uh, and, uh, so I think, if we're going eight, I'm comfortable with that. Does the Superman critical score need adjusting, or do we keep it eight? We can talk about that later. Fair enough. <laughs> but no, I think I think that. a seven three eight like that. That actually like a seven four. Um, yeah, seventy four percent on the good old tomato meter, if you would. Uh, see, I mean, Robert's Wayne, score here came to a straight up seven out of ten uh, on the average here, so seventy uh, percent straight up which is uh not not too far off from ours uh it is the first one where our guests has been lower than the one we ended up landing on i'm glad to take that honor (laughs) i'm I'm glad you are too i've been waiting for it i've been waiting for a guest to to be a little harsher than we were you just needed Uh, a break that's what i'm telling you (laughs) well you are uh you open invite anytime anything that you're intrigued by this is we tell we tell all our guests if you've got if you got one that you're like Oh, no, I'd love to have you. This has been a great, great conversation. So uh, anytime, uh, anytime you're like, ooh, that one, let me know. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll, uh, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll stick you on it. But uh, yeah, so a 74% on the old uh, Penny Bloom rating scale, huh? 
IMDb gives it 7.3. Okay. Um, so that's pretty close. And then Rotten Tomatoes, a little more uh, generous over here. Um, audience score of an 83%. Um, and the, the critical one of an 82 Oh, okay. That's um, that's a lot better than I thought it would be. I mean, critically, we gave it an eight, so that's there you go. That's actually I don't know. I think uh, before I came into this movie, I I would not have thought of that. Like I, my general perception of this movie was that it was just like it's one of the Foxman movies. You know, it's like it's just Mm. one of those. Um, I'm not actually going to like come into the. I don't know. I expected it just to be kind of another one of the average movies on the list. But oh yeah, no. When I when I like retro retrospectively look back at the Foxman films, I kind of just go, especially at this original trilogy of X-Men films, I kind of go, well, X2 was the one there. And then I've kind of dismissed Last Stand and the first one. And Last Stand, I think I dismissed a little bit more uh, (laughs) safely. I think that one deserves a little bit more dismissal than the other. That one one is not very good. I might not come back for that one. I I wouldn't expect you to. Don't blame me. Um, I'm not looking forward to talking about it. Um, But, uh, and that's, that's weeks down the line too. There's so many, there's so many superhero movies between the years 2000 and 2006. You got the couple of Raimi movies. Ang Lee's Hulk. The 28th movie. Um, and we're on 14, so... Oh, we're going to double our numbers by then? Yep. Oh, yeah, you got Daredevil, you got Catwoman, you got all sorts of shit. Little uh, Halle Berry crossover there with Catwoman. <laughs> Spider-Man, Electra, Constantine, V for Vendetta, and Batman Begins. Fantastic Four, and then finally, X-Men Last Stand. Damn, yeah, all right. We got a while. We got a while to go. Wow. We do have X2 in the meantime, which I'm... That one I'm very excited for, especially after giving this movie a rewatch. I uh, I almost watched it last night upon completing X-Men. Like, I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to go into that. Uh, but with that, I think we will conclude this episode of the Penny Bloom podcast. If you would, head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content. And for just three bucks a month, you can help this podcast keep going. It costs me money, and I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. So that'd be a huge help. If you would, head to Twitter, follow at PennyBloomPod, follow on Instagram, at PennyBloomPodcast. Remember to leave a five-star rate and review. Those ratings and reviews are so critically important. And we're over 300 episodes deep now, and I'm only really now learning just how important that is. Um, Very, very helpful to the, the old search metrics there. Um, so leave a five star rate and review. Share us with a friend. Anyone, anyone you got to might be interested. Go ahead and share the pod with them. I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And thank you so much, Robert Trot of Colin Brain versus the MCU. Do a full plug. <laughs> plug your show. Do everything here. Everything you just said about five-star reviews, um, <laughs> that would be lovely if you could throw it our way as well. we basically got someone who doesn't know anything about the MCU watching the MCU, never watched a trailer. It's good fun. I, I, I just give it a go, I'd say. <laughs> I'm not oh, very good at selling uh, things. It's wonderful fun, too. I, uh, I've i been listening for a couple months now just because uh, I've been uh, – <laughs> like the, the, the very idea of your guys' show is so exciting because – I don't know anyone who doesn't know anything about the mm. MCU. You know, like every, everyone I know has at least seen one of the movies, at least one yeah. of them. 
So like uh, that, that that instantly I was like, oh, that's such a great idea. That's like you, you guys got it. You guys got some special cooking over there. It's more impressive the best, than the, not have seen anything. <laughs> the best hook I can give to people is if you want to know what it's like for someone who watched Thor Ragnarok and didn't know that the Hulk was in it and how they reacted to that, then um, yeah, come over and listen to our show because he wow. had no idea. That's I awesome. love the game, and this is, I don't know, maybe you guys are finally getting to the answers of this one, but the game where uh, you throw out a bunch of actors and Colin has to guess whether or not they will eventually be in the MCU. The, the game that never pays off, because it takes for, you sort of do the game, and then you have to wait like maybe 10 films till he finds out whether it was right or not. So <laughs> <laughs> very little payoff. But yeah, I, it's good fun. I love it. I love it. It's such oh, a great thanks, idea. guys. No, it's been lovely yeah. coming on. I, I I will happily come on again. I'm a big, uh, not only comic book films, but just film nerd in general. So I would love to uh, come and chat with you guys again. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. And with that, we will conclude this episode of the Penny Bloom podcast. Remember, peace, love, and bloom. And I feel a great swell of pity for the poor soul who comes to that school looking for trouble.